0: You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. I'm Kyle Hawk. It has been a little while. Um, we've kind of been uh, on a brief podcast hiatus, uh, as typically happens at least uh, once a year for us. But man, there has been a lot going on in the world, which has made it, um, I don't know, made Made podcasting for our music website a little, I don't know, a little more on the back burner, maybe, than usual. Um, But we are back today and uh, excited to, um, I don't know, talk once again about music that we like. And I'm joined by uh, Kyle Schultz, also of It's All Dead fame. Kyle, hello. Howdy, howdy how is uh how is quarantine life treating you or pandemic life or whatever now that uh summer is upon us
1: I uh, honestly not terrible so far i'm i'm kind of built for staying inside uh having spent a significant amount of my childhood as a gamer so um yeah. you know i've i've got games to play i've got doctor who to watch i've got albums to listen to i'm I'm pretty content, and it's also like a hundred degrees outside and humid, so uh <laughs> i I'm not missing it a whole lot,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's that one like two month stretch in Chicago where it's not like bitter cold, which just gotta be nice,
1: yeah, it kinda it just shifted from you know winter to like July ninth and then we'll be snowing again within a week,
0: yeah, well, thanks for jumping on the uh, the microphone with me uh, this evening we're recording this on Thursday July 9th uh, in in the heat of summer and this is our um, our comeback podcast after a little break as I mentioned and uh, yeah it should be fun I'm excited to just kind of like talk about music and um, get silly and have a good time what are you uh, what are you enjoying to, to drink during the recording tonight
1: I have one of my absolute favorites. It's the 21st Amendment Brewery's Blood Orange IPA.
0: Oh wow. That's a lot of words for one <laughs> beer. <laughs> I uh not an IPA guy, but I do I can get down with the blood orange from time to time, so <laughs> I like that. Um I'm going with uh so, you know, obviously uh, a lot of things have not been happening this year um because we're all trying to not get sick, or at least some of us are trying to not get sick, but um, one of the things that isn't going to happen at all is minor league baseball, and Indianapolis has a uh, minor league baseball team um, for which one of the local breweries, Sun King, makes a special beer for each year called the Indian's Locker, and uh, it's my favorite beer, and they did, I mean, they went ahead and brewed it just as they were planning to um, before everything happened, and they, they went ahead and released it in cans, so I bought some, and I'm I'm enjoying that on this summer evening. And uh, even though I'm I'm not at a baseball game, which sounds delightful. Um, there's no other I'd rather be than um, talking into a computer screen to you, Kyle.
1: Well, thank you. I very much appreciate it.
0: <laughs> well, um, so yeah, we are to, and just to be clear i mean there's still a lot going on in the world that really sucks right now um and we are very cognizant of that we are using uh tonight's podcast probably as more of an escape uh from all of that so it's not we're not going to get super serious tonight um we're kind of doing one of our our fun ones but um a reminder that there's all kinds of new music out there um great new music um, that you know has been keeping us company these past several months. I just wanted to throw out a few um, bands that I think that people should check out if you're listening. If you haven't heard "Meet Me at the Altar" um, and you're a fan of pop punk in any shape or fashion, go look up this band right now. Um, Green Day had put together um, basically a, a, a playlist um, in in the wake of the um, the killing of George Floyd and in support of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement um, for basically black artists who are making punk music and that's where i discovered meet me at the altar and i've found them to be um, absolutely incredible so um, pull them up on spotify Um, and then of course run the jewels i wrote about them uh, a few weeks ago their new album came out rtj4 which has been absolutely fantastic so for so far this year if you love hip-hop check it out um, and then of course, Haim put out their new album, uh, Women in Music part three, just recently, another great album. There's a lot of good music to go around. So, uh, if you're looking for something new to listen to, um, give those a try. Um, tonight we were I, talking right, about an, oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, Meet Me at the Altar is astoundingly good. I, uh, they so them good. up on, yeah, I looked them up on YouTube and some of their videos only have like a thousand looks and it blows my mind that they haven't found a bigger audience yet. Like they're they're still extraordinarily young and very very new, but uh I I think they're going to be very very hot very soon.
0: They are a band on the brink for sure. Um I have no doubt that they have some uh some big days ahead of them. Um tonight we are talking about an artist you have absolutely heard of. Um we, you know, as we often talk about on the show, we like to do these best of uh, podcasts where we basically rank an artist's discography um break down their best songs and those always tend to be the podcasts. I've, i say this all the time those are the big ones for whatever reason I, I think that we've kind of developed a good model for these and and they're really fun to do and people are always really opinionated about them and sometimes even the bands or artists will listen to them after we do them and that's fun um i i do not think that today's artist is going to be listening to this podcast but uh that'd be cool um, we are breaking <laughs> down the discography of Taylor Swift. And so I reached out to you uh, earlier this week, Kyle, and I was I, for some reason in my head. I just thought that we'd done uh, this podcast for Taylor Swift because I know that we've done a few talking about her music and we've obviously written about her a lot. You and mm-hmm. I have a, sh- a shared affection for her. And I just I was like, yeah, we've we've done that. And I went back and looked through all of our you know, hundreds of episodes at this point, And sure enough, we hadn't done it. And I was like, well, we should do this. Um, there's no particular timing on this. I mean, she released a new album last year. Um, you know, we, we talked about that album when it came out, but I was just like, you know what, we've never done it. Let's just give it a shot.
1: I'm kind of shocked by that too. I, uh, completely assumed we've already done this.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like we have, but we have not. Um, so I went back, I have ranked the albums and, you know, let's be honest. I, I think well, I don't even think. I absolutely know we both have the same album at number 1. That's not going to be a surprise. Um, you know, if you checked out our Into the Decade uh top 30 albums of the decade the, at the end of last year, you'll you'll know which album that is. It made the list. Um we've talked about it a lot, both you and I on this podcast and off. Um but there there was a lot of other stuff to kind of dig into as I was kind of going back and I of all of these that we've done I had the hardest time picking 10 songs of, of any of them. I and mean, I don't know how many we've done at this point, but like for whatever reason, I just had so many songs of hers that I felt like were top 10 worthy. And it was crazy. It was crazy to try to go back through and narrow it down. I don't know if you had a similar experience or not.
1: Yeah, well, it, um, it's weird because with her, I feel like I cherry pick songs a lot. So it it's this weird thing where there are so many songs I truly love and when I look at it, there's also not as many as I thought there had been.
0: <laughs> Interesting, man. Well, this is going to be, this will be fun to talk about. Um, you know, I, I've i talked, I can't remember if I've mentioned on this podcast or not, but you know, a few years ago, I stopped asking people like, hey, who's your favorite band? Or what's your favorite album? And started asking people, you know, if you're stranded on a deserted island, whose discography would you want to have with you? Because I think that's a really fascinating question you have to take. So many things into account. You have to take like the amount of albums they've put out because you don't want to be on the island with just one or two albums. You have to think about um, you know the diversity and sound. You want an artist who's pretty eclectic in terms of the different types of music they've created. Yeah, Uh, there's so many different things to think about. And you know, for you know a while, I mean, Kanye West was my my clear choice. Although at this point, like, if I have to be on the deserted island, I you know, there's so much of his music that I still. Has been impactful for my life but at this point like um there's just a lot i don't want to think about <laughs> when it comes to kanye so I've, I've kind of gone back to um reevaluate and kind of the short list was anne berlin paramore and oddly enough last year i realized taylor swift and going through this i'm still kind of on the fence but just realizing how much of her music i love i'm kind of thinking that, that it could be an actual possibility but let, before we get into all this, let's go back and share a little bit of our history. Um, Kyle, when was it for you that you kind of like discovered Taylor Swift? And then how long after that was it that you became a fan of her music?
1: Honestly, the first time I remember really being aware of her was in 2012, living in Indianapolis. Uh, I would just kind of put the radio on from time to time while I was driving to and from work. And I remember hearing, uh, I think it was, either mean or 22 on the radio and just at first being super annoyed with it. And then after, you know, over the course of like a month or something, just kind of like, okay, I think I like this now. And, uh, not really thinking too much about it. And then for whatever reason, um, I kept seeing, uh, her album red being advertised all over and decided to, uh, jump in with it. And I think, 2013, 2014 is when I finally listened to Red for the first time and fell in love with it. Um, and I've kind of been been on the bandwagon since then.
0: Yeah, I uh, yeah, I didn't know that story. That's that's fascinating that you made it all the way to 2012 without kind of her being on the radar.
1: Um, you know, yeah, she was someone like I knew the name of, and I had heard her music. I just didn't know that much, but I didn't really pay attention.
0: So back in. 2014 or 2015, whenever the 1989 World Tour took place, I wrote a really long feature. It's one of the longest things I've written for It's All Dead Um, because I I essentially found myself outside Banker's Life Fieldhouse here in Indianapolis where she was playing one night trying to buy tickets off scalpers and like being outbid by people on the street until finally there were no tickets left and I couldn't go to the show. And I came back and I wrote about my my experience with Taylor Swift because it, it was... Such a fascinating moment, I guess, when I think about it. So, um, you know, I used to work in radio, and after college, I got my first job at a country music radio station in Oklahoma called KOFM. It was a station I really wanted to work at, not because I like country music—I I really don't like country music at all—but they were a really big station. They had like really high-profile um, talent, air talent. They, you know, were they'd won awards, and I really, really wanted to work there. And I, I got a job, and they put this kid with a, a swoop haircut and skinny jeans on the air at a country station which is absurd but i one of the things i remember in 2006 is there was a new artist that we would play and she kept getting a lot of requests and it was taylor swift um there were two songs "Teardrops on for my guitar and tim mcgraw were the ones that um the ones that we would play and that people were requesting and she, of all the music we played which I, I liked almost none of it she was the one person i was like i could kind of get into this it just felt like i was like amazed that somebody so young was such just seems so skilled as a songwriter um and of course she she blew up shortly after that and i really balked against it um to my own shame i mean i i think a lot of it was um kind of a shitty response where i just wasn't obviously i wasn't connecting probably with the music of you know a teenage girl um but i think i was being really unfair and expecting her to make music that was different than that um you know so i was super critical probably through the fearless and um and, and speak now album cycles where i was just kind of like oh taylor swift you know who who would want to listen to that not me um and it was all like really really unfair criticism and i think mostly just um me being ashamed to admit that i liked her music um which is very problematic <laughs> but after 1989 came out, I kind of fell head over heels in love with that album and then went back and discovered how much of her past discography I actually really liked. And so I wrote this really long piece about my journey of like uh, coming to terms with the own shittiness about myself that was keeping me from <laughs> enjoying her music. Um, and of course, ever since then, I've, I've been on the bandwagon and, and um, a couple years ago was fortunate enough to finally see her in concert during the Reputation Tour. So um, it's been a long road, but she has become... Uh, You know, one of my favorite musicians, Um, and there's there's still a a lot to think about and a lot to dig into. Um, I was going to ask you to to like go back ten years of your opinion of her in 2010 versus your opinion now, but since it doesn't seem like you can go back that far, but you never really had you never had anything with her music where you were because I think that there was a there was a real backlash against Taylor Swift. I think it kind of still exists to this day for different reasons but i think uh, you know at least amongst men it was this thing of like oh taylor swift that's not cool or i i won't listen to that and i think that that was a thing that a lot of dudes had to like get over and get through <laughs> just as you know kind of coming to a realization of like hey it's okay to like the music that you like but i i do i don't know if you've seen that or experienced that but it does feel like that was a thing
1: yeah i i uh, saw some of that not as much though mostly um for me uh you know, I was aware of her as a country artist, and, uh, you know, at that time, I just wasn't a fan of country. So I was like, oh, this is not, it's not for me. I'm just fine. So I kind of let it be. But um, I, when Red came out, I kind of saw the uh, pop elements coming into her music, and it really caught me off guard. And it was just one of those things where, you know, she was willing to uh, branch out for certain songs, and it it really kind of captured my attention. Uh. That's what drew me to her it just it was something brand new and you know at the time i didn't know anyone else who uh listened to her um you know i wasn't living with anyone or i didn't have any friends that uh were a fan so it, she was just something out there in the ether that i just happened to uh, find randomly on my own and uh, i actually remember we we worked together at the time and i remember bringing up at one point with about four of us sitting around in a circle going I just listened to Taylor Swift for the first time. And I think I like her And all four of uh, the people around us. Maybe you included at the time just went, Oh, she's terrible.
0: (laughs) That, that does sound uh, like 2012 (laughs) Kyle to be sure.
1: (laughs) I just remember kind of be like, Oh, maybe I need to keep this to myself then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, man, you were in the right, you were ahead of your time. Um, Well, you mentioned the, that transition from country to pop and really her musical arc has been fascinating to watch. I mean, the, the way that she's been able to pull off that genre transition while still being kind of embraced by the country music community while also like fully embraced by like the, the pop music listeners is really impressive. Like it, it's hard to make that leap. And like the number of like country artists that have done that, like while completely shedding like the country part of their music. I mean, I'm I'm struggling to even, I mean, you know, even someone like Shania Twain, for as popular as she was as a pop artist, still was ultimately making country music so um what Taylor Swift has been able to accomplish by becoming a pop musician, still a singer songwriter, but without the country elements of her music, it has been um super impressive um and Of course, you know she's one of the biggest artists of our time. her celebrity at times almost you know casts a shadow over her music. Um, for better or for worse, you know, Taylor as a public figure is somebody that um, I think has been pretty divisive amongst people in terms of how people think about her. And of course, we can talk about all kinds of stuff with that, just the fact that she was apolitical for, for so long until just recently when it kind of felt like she could no longer afford to not really have a stance on anything. Um, but also somebody that has, I think, suffered from just the toxic masculinity of the music industry and you know we saw that a few years ago with a the uh, um where she was groped by a radio dj and this was something that would have gone completely under the radar had she not um been the one to, to press it and ultimately um you know win a case against this creepy dude but like she's she's brought a lot of attention i think in in the positive light to like what it's like for even a really popular female musician what they have to face uh, within the music industry so it's a she's been a very complex figure and there's been a lot to to process entire you know throughout her entire career it feels like
1: yeah it, it's really weird like um you know i've only been uh familiar with her you know less than 10 years now but even so it seems like she's in the news a lot and it's usually for um you know a good purpose and it's actually I don't think considered it's fairly impressive that she can be that big of an artist and that big of figure in the world standing and there's still generally so much goodwill towards her just because of the thing she has brought to light um you know the even with that case you're talking about uh you know she didn't sue the guy into the ground i think she just wanted a dollar off him and just to expose like this is what happens just be aware of it
0: right yeah there's definitely been um, a lot to chew on from Taylor, the uh, the figure, as well as the musician. And, you know, I think that um, just what we've seen, even with the documentary that she put out earlier this year, to kind of, you know, um, process through sort of her political transformation or her um, the sort of moment that she had a few years ago with realizing how important it was for her to use her platform for good. Um, there was a lot to take in there that was really positive. And so she's, um, you know, certainly has an enormous fan base, um, people that love her and we are going to talk about her music now. So this is the part where we, uh, break down the albums and rank them album by album. She's released seven, uh, full length studio albums. Um, you know, I I think what we typically do here is kind of, um, I don't know, sometimes we've gone back and forth counting our way up and sometimes we've just like gone through, uh, Seven to one in in this case, I don't know what what do you prefer, Kyle? You make the call
1: We can jump back and forth if you want, to keep ourselves on each other's toes.
0: all right, I'll start us off um and i I always give this disclaimer, you know anytime you're ranking uh you know an artist's discography, something has to come in last, and you know I always bring up that we do this we We only do these podcasts for artists that we enjoy, so just know that whenever something ranks in last place, it's not because we hated or despise an album that you, know you, the listener, love. It's just because something has to come in last. So for me, uh, number seven was her debut, Taylor Swift, self-titled. Um, and I mentioned earlier, this was kind of the the album that brought my attention to her. And there's still a lot to love about this album. And again, the fact that she was 15, 16 years old um, writing some of these songs that feel so authentic and well beyond her years is really, really impressive. But at the same time, um, it's not even an album that you could listen to now and even associate with who Taylor Swift has become. And I think that's for me why I have to rank it here is just because she's morphed and evolved so much as an artist that this is almost just like the you know the prologue to what her music career was going to become. So for that. For that reason, it ranks at number seven for me.
1: I, uh, for me, I'm going to have to put "Speak Now," um, and only because not that I don't dislike the album, it's just it's the one I find myself listening to the least. It's the one I cherry pick music off of the most, and um, I, I don't really have a reason why, other than just as a whole, I'm not as big of a fan. Even though, uh, you know, her songwriting style and lyricism and stuff, it's definitely. An improvement over some of her earlier work and um she's the you know she is the artist that got me into country music that introduced that entire genre to me um but even so it's still a little hard for me to go back to her earlier albums and uh uh yeah speak now is just the one i find myself visiting
0: yeah fair enough um number six for me is fearless and again i think this album is probably better than i than what it's ranked here Really, it just comes down to this second album was the album for me where I kind of like turned on Taylor Swift, the artist, and kind of took the, oh, this is just bad music um, without really giving it a fair shake. (laughs) So for that reason, like I never got into it at the time and only um, have been able to enjoy it after the fact. And because I like so much of her later music better, um, it just kind of has to fall in this spot.
1: Um, Actually, for me, my number six spot is actually Fearless as well. And I actually really love this album, but um, uh, again, it's another one that I feel like I cherry pick music from a lot more than I listen to it as a whole. And so I uh, I really love the songwriting of this. I It has some of my favorite songs on it. You know, Love Story and You Belong With Me are two absolute classic songs of hers that uh, really kind of lift this one up. And uh, I feel bad ranking it, as low as it is because I really do enjoy it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a good album. I, and I think again, it kind of goes back to the, the point I was making earlier for me in a lot of cases where like, th- this is music that wasn't written for me as being the target audience. Right. And so um, I have to like, you know, for me, it was coming back and realizing that great art can be great art even if it's art that's not created for me to consume as as the person that it was made for or something. So, um I th- I think Fearless is a really good album. Uh number 5 for me is Reputation and this one is so hard to rank and I I kind of love that about it because I think every great artist has at least one album where they kind of go off the rails they go they're out in left field. It's something completely unexpected. Nobody really knows what to do with it. It's so different from anything they've done before. Reputation is for sure that album for Taylor Swift. This is this is the oddball album that that really kind of sticks out like a sort of thumb. I I liked it upon first listen, then I kind of like rejected of like, oh, this isn't very good. And then in the years after that, after it released, I kind of came back around on it and really seeing her live on the Reputation Tour and seeing some of those songs played live really helped me kind of reassess that album, um, seeing it in that, that vein really kind of shifted my perspective on it. So I really like this album a lot, but it's it's kind of just too long and there's some just some filler spots on it. And it is definitely the the weird Taylor Swift album but you know there you go number five
1: I actually have the exact same one <laughs> Wow <laughs> no uh, reputation for me was the singles when they first came out I just wasn't impressed with them um, I, I didn't and then, the thing for me is I associate uh, Taylor with like melody there's a lot of melody there's a lot of um you know it, the the romance behind it it seems kind of music kind of feels like uh an audio fairy tale in a way. And Reputation took all that away and I was just like, "Oh, I I don't know what to do with this." And I uh, I I think I've said before, I'm never a fan of her singles when they first come out. I always yeah. I almost always think they're cheesy and a little cornball and then like a month later I'm just like, "Shit it out. Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, Reputation I just I wasn't that big of a fan and I kept pulling up hope. And when it finally released, um, it, it just, it didn't capture my attention. I still wasn't a fan of the singles. Uh, you're right there. It seems like there's a lot of filler songs. It's just a little too long. Um, and I, I really struggled with it and I put it on a shelf for a long time. And I have only come back to it within the last year or so after uh, Lover came out and hearing it in retrospect, knowing what comes later, Uh, Kind of the return to the, you know, the happiness that uh, you kind of associate with her. And you can see reputation uh, kind of in the grander scale of things. I've really come to appreciate it a bit more and uh, take a bit more stock in it um, as a whole in her discography.
0: Yeah. And, And we did that podcast after the first single from Lover came out, me, and kind of talked about that that transition. And, you know, from the first single perspective, that's something I I haven't mentioned yet, but like her first singles are always some of my least favorite songs. Like for example uh, you know, shake it off um, me and, you know, look what you made me do. Like those are some of my least favorite Taylor Swift songs. The first one is always like the one I like the least. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Number four, I put speak now This one I didn't really know what to do with, and so it kind of lands exactly in the middle. I mean, there's a lot that I really love about it, and there's stuff about it that um, I'm not as into. But I think overall, for the early, like, I divide Taylor Swift's career kind of in half. Like, there's the the first three albums where she's like a country music singer. Then there's Red, which kind of bridges this divide. And then there's the second half of her career as a pop artist. And, um, so if, if you look at speak now as the final album of that first stage of her career, I think it's the best version of that, at least in, in my opinion. So that's, that's why I have it at four.
1: Uh, for me, I have her self-titled debut. And, um, you know, like you said before, I really, it took me a long time to really kind of get into it just because, uh, you know, I was working my way back from red and it really had no one to discuss this with it just you know, listening to a 15 year old uh, singing songs alone in my basement. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I, uh, I really got into it. It, Like you said, she's very young when she wrote this and it's extraordinarily impressive for um, someone kind of finding their voice that early and just the quality of the songs. There's a lot uh, put into it that really kind of sets the tone for a career and for, uh, you know, what to expect whenever she releases music. And I really kind of fell in love with that one.
0: Awesome. Um, yeah, that's a really good, uh, really good explainer. Number three for me is Lover. Um, this is one when it came out, I think I even told you about it. I think I overreacted to Lover when it dropped and that I immediately was like, this is the best Taylor Swift album, and uh, in retrospect, it is not the best Taylor Swift album, but it is a very, very good album, and it's um, it was really kind of a swing back um, in, in the other direction from what she released with Reputation, and, um, you know, it's an album that I, I love a lot about, and we're, we'll I will talk a little bit more about it once we get to um, our top 10 songs, but I think, um, you know, almost a, a year in hindsight, Lover is still a really, really good album.
1: Uh, For me, number three would be 1989. And uh, it's weird because this is the first one... It's the first album that I really uh, listened to the day it came out. And, you know, I was there from uh, day one. And I really, really enjoy what she did. It's the the first full transition to a pop sound. And it, it has just... For someone transitioning that much between genres... The mastery behind it is um, extremely elegant, and just everything about the album—the lyrics, the the music—is great. And it's a uh, it, it really is something that just kind of caught. I think it caught everyone off guard with just how different it was and how successful it was.
0: Yeah, it was the the full transition away from. Um, her country roots and and into becoming a pop artist and it is my number two album and i mentioned this is the album that kind of brought me back into the fold and um, it was the first album of hers that came out while we had it's all dead going we started a year prior to that album releasing so i was like well we need to have something to say about this and i was listening to it and there was a at a certain track on that album when it hit i was like oh no, I think I love Taylor Swift. And uh, I'll talk about that song when we get to to our favorite songs. But uh, yeah, it's an album that has held up. Um, It's her, you know, Grammy winning album of the year album. Um, And uh, there's a lot of people that argue that is her best album. Um, But I argue that it is not. And I know you do as well, obviously. Uh, What's number two for you?
1: Um, This is where we might have a bit of controversy because my number one and number two can be interchanged depending on the day. Uh, for right now, I'm going to say lover. And, uh, you know, I, I, reviewed this album when it came out last year and I, I stand by everything I said about it. It's an almost perfect album. Uh, I really enjoy the comeback from reputation on it. Uh, I love how poppy it is, how melodic it is. Uh, I love how corny it is. Um, you know, there it's, it's, slightly too long and some of the songs like London Boy are just just terrible but it just it (laughs) adds it adds to the flavor of it Um, you know it's just the message behind it the uh, sentiments behind it the stories in the songs are just so good though and uh, it's the as much as I love uh, you know the rest of her work there's a real argument that I've listened to Lover more than any of her of uh, wow. her other albums, um, I haven't really counted. And like I've mentioned before, you know, her early work I'm a bit sporadic with. Uh, I, I tend to cherry pick songs rather than listen to the full albums. But uh, Lover is one of the ones that I can just start from start to finish, and I really have a tough time uh, stopping anywhere, anywhere in it.
0: Yeah, it's great. If it was three to four tracks shorter, um, it would be in the conversation for number one for me as well, but our number ones are the same. Uh, we've yeah. talked about them before together. It is red. And um, you know, you wrote about red when we did our um, end of the decade feature last year. It is to me, her best work. And it is so incredible because it bridges the divide between her country roots and the pop artist that she was going to become so brilliantly. Um, You don't have to be a country fan to enjoy red, but if you're a country fan, you likely enjoy red. Um, It's, it really kind of intertwines all these different aspects about her as an artist and a songwriter that I feel like best captures, at least to this point in her career, um, what, you know, is, is best about Taylor Swift as an artist. Um, and so, yeah, I still, I just put on the the record yesterday on the turntable, just to enjoy it before we did this podcast. And, um, it is definitely my favorite of hers.
1: No, I totally agree with that. And, um, it's like you said, it's this weird hybrid between country and pop where even if you're not a fan of either genre, it captures your attention. Um, and it's just, uh, it's almost perfect writing from start to finish. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's amazing especially because it's the album i listen to and uh you know at the time i had no interest in country i had i i didn't enjoy the sound of it uh to be honest like not even getting into songs or artists just the noise is like eh. um it it caught me off guard and made me fall so in love with the genre i've kept up with it since then
0: yeah It is a great one. Um, And that, of course, leads us into, um, you know, we're going to rank our favorite songs of Taylor Swift. Um, And as I mentioned, my list was just overloaded once I started writing them all down and trying to compile this list. And it's hard because what I wanted to do was I wanted to have each you know, there's seven albums. I wanted to have each album represented on this top ten list and I just realized at a certain point I couldn't do it. Um so there was one album that missed the cut of having any songs on my list and that album is fearless. Um but I tried really hard, Kyle. Um I tried to make it work. Just <laughs> couldn't quite do it. Um so yeah, let's go ahead and run through our top ten songs. I'll I'll do my list and then we'll switch over um to yours. I do this every time we do these I do like a cop out thing where I list like honorable mentions just because there's a few that I feel like we're so close to being on the list and just didn't make it. Um, so my honorable mentions were you belong with me 22. All you had to do was stay, um, which is a really underrated song from 1989. People don't talk about it. It's so good. And then th- this one is the weird one all too well. Um, I think that all too well is probably considered Taylor Swift's best song. Um, and, it, and I, I don't, I wouldn't argue with that but it's not the song that I go to when I just want to like throw on some Taylor Swift and, you know, enjoy myself. And so for that reason, I, I left it as an audible mention, just because it would have been disingenuous for the the type of list I'm creating here with the top 10, but um, there you go. I'll be interested to see if it, if it made, made your list. Um, And I don't know if you did any research. There's like sites out there, like people that have ranked like every single Taylor Swift song, like from 189 to one or something. That's, crazy to me. Um,
1: I do not doubt that for a second. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So be happy I didn't ask you to do that. Um, Okay. Number 10, Teardrops on My Guitar. Um, I mentioned this as kind of being my introduction into Taylor Swift. It's still a song I have um, a lot of, you know, positive nostalgic feelings for and it's still a really great song. It's just a, again, 15, 16 years old, writing a song like this, it's impressive. And uh, to me, it sticks out as the the best track from her debut. Number nine, I have Mean. Um, you know, this is sort of a, it's a silly song for sure, but it's just so, it's one of those Taylor Swift songs that's silly and kind of ridiculous, but it's just so much fun. It's just a really bouncy, fun uh, country song. And of, of that early Taylor Swift um, era of her career is is probably the, the one that I enjoy the most. Uh, number eight, I went with Delicate. Um, This is a song that when Reputation came out I probably didn't think much about or have much to say about but as time has gone on it's become one of my favorites from that album like it really really has grown on me Um, and I I just love how um, it's not as like bombastic and in your face as a lot of the other tracks on that album but there's still sort of this dark darkness bubbling underneath the surface of it Um, and it's just a really great song. Number seven is New Romantics, and this is this one is a B-side from 1989 that got released when she put out the deluxe edition. And it it's arguably one of the best songs on the entire album. Um it's so tongue-in-cheek. It feels like it's so directly speaking about like her past sort of hopeless romantic type um songwriting, and just sort of entering this new era of freedom that she's found in adulthood to not have to be. So self serious about her relationships, and um, on top of the fact that it's just a, it's a killer pop song, fantastic chorus. Um, so it made the list number seven, number six. I did something bad. Um, this was my favorite song off Reputation when it dropped, and it's still my favorite song from that album. And seeing it live with like these fires shooting out of the stage and just this over the top performance, it was just so delightful to watch. It's just a, it's a killer dark pop song, and I, I love that. Uh, number five is "Death by a Thousand Cuts." Uh, my favorite song from Lover over the past year has changed a lot, and I I will say that um, when she did her Tiny Desk concert for NPR, she performed this song just turn an acoustic guitar, and that's where um, it really stood out to me. Like one of the things that's so fantastic about Taylor Swift is no matter how many items she throws into a song, like she can she'll make these kitchen sink uh songs at this point in their career they're so full of sound and um and blending of genres but at the end of the day so many of her songs can be stripped down to just a guitar and a voice and still be just as good if not better than they are in their final form and death by a thousand cuts is absolutely that it's just a it's a fun cool song uh number four is we're never getting back together this was a song that when it came out um, you know, I mentioned Red's my favorite album. I wasn't into Red when it came out, and it didn't really give it a fair shake. But "We're Never Getting Back Together" was the first song that I was like being curmudgeon-y about, but I secretly really liked it. <laughs> and so um, it is on the list here, um, and really one of the best songs she's written, just from like a, a radio single standpoint. She she has such good singles. That's the the crazy thing I, I found while doing this. Uh, number three is Style. I mentioned there was a song in 1989 that when I heard it I was like oh no I love Taylor Swift and style was absolutely that song it captures this 80s vibe that I love so much it just it's so uh it's drawing from an era of music that I am super passionate about and she does it uh to to perfection on this song it just got those shoegaze guitars and um it's just a, it's a brilliant song and it's also that transition from her to like aw shucks um, to more of like I'm an adult, and it's sultry, and there's an element of like lust and darkness in the song that I I just really love, and it is kind of a a marker of um the the second uh, half of Taylor Swift's career, the second stage. Uh, number two is Red, the self, uh, the yeah this the title track from the album I love. It's it, like we talked about. This is the song that sticks out to me as the one that blends. Taylor's country roots with what she was capable of as a songwriter and as a pop musician. Um, I, I love the chorus. I love everything about, I love the guitars. It's just a, it's a perfect song. Um, and every time it comes on, I just get chills. And then number one, um, this one is, I, I feel like it surprised me, but the more I thought about it, the more it had to be number one, it wasn't a single, um, I don't think she has played it outside of, uh, when she toured the album red, I don't think it's ever been played live. And it's a song I never hear people talk about, but, um, I almost do is my favorite Taylor Swift song. And it's just kind of, it's classic Taylor Swift. And that it's sort of a, one of those sad, um, you know, romantical unrequited love type songs, but it's just so well-written. I mean, there's just not that many people that can write that song so well. And I almost tear up every single time I listen to it. I, there's, there's just something about it, especially when she hits that bridge of um, where she's singing, I almost do. Um, it, it's just it's just an incredible song. And I feel like people don't ever talk about it. So maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not a good song and I just like it for some weird reason. But it's it's my number one Taylor Swift song.
1: Nicely played, sir. <laughs> um. For me, my number 10 is uh, Treacherous off of Red, and uh, part of that is I really like kind of the dark romance uh, lyricism matched with the music. Um, it's kind of one of those things, it's a weird binding of the, like, fairy tale aspects of her music, but with a darker tone to it, and it kind of started that shift that she would start doing towards, um, you know, like, reputation a little bit. Uh, at number nine, I have You Belong With Me, which... It's impossible not to love that song.
0: Yeah, it's a good one.
1: Um, and that's one I keep coming back to. Uh, seven and eight are essentially tied, and that's because I consider them to be uh, sister songs, more or less. And that would be Stay, Stay, Stay from Red and Paper Rings from Lover. Oh. Um, and I love the corniness between both of them and just how cheerful... Uh and just kind of the theme that goes back and forth with them. Um, Stay Say Stay was already one of my favorite songs, and it's just ridiculously cheesy, but it's so just catchy, and you can't help but yeah. be happy with it. And then uh Paper Rings, when that came out, kind of on the other side of that, it just seems like it matches that song so well.
0: Um, yeah. I'd never thought about that. Paper Rings was a song that missed the cut on mine, but it was my favorite from Lover when it dropped. And it was almost like Taylor Swift wrote a Paramore song or something is how I felt about it. But it's a yeah. really
1: good one. Uh, let see where I'm at. At six, I have uh, Starlight from Red. And I really like that, just the, the imagery that's in the, the lyrics and just how much of a dance song it kind of is. Um, and it, it's one I don't feel like anyone talks about, but I listen to it constantly. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's interesting.
1: Uh, Number five, I have Dancing With Our Hands Tied from Reputation. Wow. Um, And part of that is, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Reputation, uh, but Dancing With Our Hands Tied is that song that always strikes me where uh, as I, what I really like about Taylor Swift is a lot of the melody she has in her song and just how playful it is. And I feel like uh, Reputation is a bit more of a slog to get through than the rest of her albums until you get to this song. And it's kind of one of the few on the album that really kind of harken back to um, what I really like about her in her earlier work and some of her earlier pop music. Yeah. Um, and I really, really like that. Uh, number four, I have "State of Grace." Uh, the mm. I believe it's the opener off of Red. Yep. And I just, it feels like that song feels like magic. Just the the harsh drums, how slow it goes, and just the build throughout. It's like almost five minutes long and just the just um, slow crescendo all the way till the ending is it's just it's magical. It's so good. Yeah,
0: it's anthemic too. It's just one of those that you could just picture it in an arena and it's an incredible song.
1: Um, Number three, I have Cruel Summer from Lover. Mm -hmm. And like you said with style, um, the only reason I didn't add style on here was because it's like I've got enough singles (laughs) singles <laughs> yeah um but cruel summer is a uh, style on lover it's just it's a great pop song it's uh you know there's a fairy tale aspect to it it's romantic it's dark um i love just like i love everything about it and uh that's one of those i have a bad really bad habit of just playing on repeat constantly <laughs> when it comes on that's awesome uh, number two, I have Holy Ground from Red. And uh, this is actually the song that really captured my attention on Red. Um, you know, I've been listening to the album. I really enjoyed it. The first time I heard this song, though, it completely changed my opinion. I was like, oh, this is one of those songs I'm going to love for the rest of my life. Uh, I, It's just, it's a fun song. Uh, it's very playful. It's just, I don't know, everything about it is just so good. And uh, yeah, I I don't know what else to say about. It. I just I love it. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my number one though is Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince from Lover. I knew it. Yeah, I uh, it's I have nothing but respect for this song. It's so different from anything else she does. Um, it even in terms of Lover, it stands out in the album. It's just it's a slow. Uh, dark song with so many tones to it. There's weird comments on, um, you know, the political system. There's comments on uh, you know, just the country in general. Um, and it's just... it's There's so many layers to it and as dark as it gets there's still that uh, peppy shout of like, go fight win in it, where it's just, it's still trying to lift you up even though uh, the synth is just pounding down layers of darkness um i i really impressed with how well that one works and that's it's my number one by far
0: yeah i knew it was going to be and you'd you'd put it on our end of the year list last year um a a funny note on that song like the day the album came out i sent you a screen grab from spotify of that track name and it was like how did a fallout boy song end up on a a taylor swift album which i still (laughs) think was pretty good joke Uh, yeah that was was a good one (laughs) Okay, so this is crazy. Um, As I mentioned, we've done a lot of these podcasts. I literally don't know how many of them we've done, but we do a lot of these. Um, And we did our first one back in 2014, I want to say, but I'd have to go back and count to know how many of these we've done where we've ranked the discography and the songs and everything. This is the first time ever where none none of our top 10 songs match. That's insane.
1: I'm kind of shocked
0: <laughs> yeah that's crazy right i mean i think it just speaks to like what i was saying of like how many really great songs she has and i did i did rely on a lot of singles on my list i, I kind of felt bad about it i mean there's how many did i use uh you know you can't read one two three uh four, five, six, probably i mean um you know i did do that a lot and you kind of went more toward sort of uh off the off the charts in that regard but still i mean those are 20 songs that are all like top 10 worthy that we just did here so i think that just kind of speaks to like what a great songwriter is she is so um wow that was fun i i never thought i would see the day where that happened but uh, i'm very glad it did (laughs) well Let's wrap up the conversation with this. We always talk about the the legacy of the band or artists we're talking about. Um, one of the things, you know, on this podcast, we've had Evan Soddy on a few times. He's uh, an editor at Pop Matters, um, and you know, has written for a lot of different publications. And he's he's someone that is a you know a big voice when it comes to uh, music criticism over the past you know ten to fifteen years. And he talks about the imperial period, which he defines for an artist as sort of like the period in which not only are they at their artistic peak, but they're also at their peak in terms of just popular relevancy and just general um, pop culture consciousness. And um, how long somebody stays within their imperial period can kind of speak to how great of an artist they are in some ways. So the the question is, um, you know, As I mentioned, Taylor Swift won the Grammy for uh, Best Album with 1989. She wasn't nominated for Reputation. That album was kind of maligned at the time. Uh, Lover also wasn't nominated for a whole lot. You know, it's still done well. And I argue that, I mean, there's no question Taylor Swift is still one of the biggest artists on the planet. Kyle, in your opinion... How close is she to the end of her imperial period? We talked one of the, we did a podcast last summer. The reason I bring this up, we talked about how artists like Billie Eilish and Lil Nas X and sort of like there's this new generation of artists that are coming into popularity who aren't, you know, coming into you know the the popular culture music scene from like a major label perspective, but people that are making music in their bedrooms and releasing stuff on the internet and, and growing from sort of a a grassroots level. Um, You know, Taylor Swift didn't have a a top song last summer, even though she put on a new album, but these other um, younger artists did. In your opinion, how much longer do you see Taylor Swift as being within her quote unquote imperial period?
1: Honestly, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Um, I almost would have argued that it had ended right around the time of Reputation Mm. Uh, because you you didn't hear that much about her uh, at the time. Even the singles, a lot of the people I knew uh, weren't big on it. They were just like, Oh, it's a new Taylor Swift. Yay. But no one really discussed it that I'm aware of. And uh, I really kind of felt like maybe that was the end of the hype. Um, But with Lover, I feel like there's a whole new, uh, boost behind her. Um, you know, I, I don't know quite why the Grammys are over looking or in anything like that, but, um, I still feel like she's at the zenith of her songwriting ability. It just keeps going up. Um, and she keeps reinventing herself, keeps, uh, you know, other than the first, maybe three albums, nothing she puts out is the same and it just keeps getting bigger and better. And, uh, I think as long as she keeps kind of experimenting, she might not have the number one album, uh you know, in the country. But I think there's a very real argument. She is within the top three songwriters in the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's there's no question that she's still one of the top artists uh in the world. And, you know, I was even thinking. Um, you know, I I mentioned I saw her on the Reputation tour in 2018. She came through Indianapolis and played Lucas Oil Stadium, which is where the Indianapolis Colts play. And the year prior, I saw U2 play at Lucas Oil Stadium. Taylor Swift drew the largest crowd in that stadium's history. So you think there was a Super Bowl in Lucas Oil Stadium, U2 played Lucas Oil Stadium. Taylor Swift drew the the biggest crowd uh in in the history of of that venue. Taylor Swift is a big deal still. Um, and, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that she's got at least two more album cycles left in her where she's going to be a, a premier, um, you know, artist. Um, but certainly, I mean, she's still so young. She's got an entire lifetime of music ahead of her. And I, I'm excited to see where it goes. One one bummer about this year with everything being canceled, you know, we we really haven't gotten a proper tour from Lover. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we ever get that or if she spends this time this year writing and we end up with a new album next year or something but um i think that'll be
1: i'm i'm uh personally hoping there's a brand new album on the way just you know just spending your time indoors you might as well write something have it ready to go and then you know make it a double double tour
0: <laughs> yeah it would be fascinating so it would be exciting to see um well this has been fun it took us a while to do it but i'm glad that we did i'm glad lover came out at you know, before we we did this one, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And Kyle, as always, you knocked it out of the park.
1: Oh gosh, you!
0: <laughs> that is going to do it for this episode of It's All Dead. If you like our podcast, please subscribe to it so you can get every episode that we release when we release it. Um, and if you really like it, uh, pull up Apple Podcasts on your mobile device or on your computer and leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. And, of course, as always, come to itsalldead.com. Um, we've been cranking out content this summer. We're all stuck indoors. We're writing um, and, and putting stuff out there. The great Nadia has been crushing it lately. She wrote a review recently of Phoebe Bridger's Punisher, which is probably our, our best review of the year. So you got to check that out. Come to itsalldead.com. Um, that's it for this episode of It's All Dead. Thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.